Hello and welcome to the Everyday Problems podcast, a podcast about the problems we face each day as we go about our busy lives. I'm Tom Corneal and my co-host Liam Tarvit and I have had many dealings with depression and anxiety and other related issues and wanted to provide a safe space where we can normalise the conversation around mental health and its impact on everything from the workplace to grief to just getting through the day. I should point out that we're not medical professionals and we don't profess to have all the answers. But we are veterans of the embattled mind and we hope that by sharing our war stories we might shed some light on solutions that could be useful to you or people that you know. For episode 10 we thought we'd revisit 2020 and talk about the moments that we found most influential from the series so far. We cover everything from suicide prevention to how to avoid falling out of a window. The show notes will show you all of the contributors that we've spoken to and the best thing you can do when you've listened to this is go and look back at your favourite episodes from the series so far. We're going to take a break after this and come back to you in 2021 with a brand new series of the Everyday Problems podcast. Thank you so much to everyone who's supported us so far, every listen, every kind comment and especially every contribution made by each of our patrons via patreon.com. The link will be in the show notes. Thank you to all of you for your massive, massive support. We're so grateful and we really couldn't do this without you. I'll take this opportunity to apologise for the last time in 2020 for our little audio blips. We are still at this point in time recording virtually, so you might hear the odd little digital slur here and there. I'd also like to point out that I don't keep my cat in the cupboard, but she does choose to sleep there. Now you're going to have to listen to the rest of the episode to understand what I'm talking about. Enjoy. How have you been? Yeah, good. I think I'm, I'm a good solid eight right now. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. Um, I think, oh, and this is what I'm such a terrible overthinker, which I imagine half or more than half the people listening to this podcast uh, will be. Um, I've rationalised. I've been looking back at what. Why has the last couple of years been so hard? I can't blame it all on the job that I used to have. My, I used to really. I was one of the people in life who used to say that I loved my job, and I really meant it for a long period. And a few things changed, um, and I didn't love it as much. But it, that wasn't the only thing that um, that pushed me over the edge to to a real depressed slump that I had. That was a significant factor, but lots of other things. And I think I've been I've been thinking lately about how many times you know in the the Matrix you get that yeah. thing that the take the the red pill or the blue pill, and taking the red pill is you, you're accepting an uncomfortable truth, which means you now know a lot more than you used to know, but that means you're going to have to fight all the baddies and stuff all the time, which is kind of stressful. Uh, but you have the you know the the I don't know the the pleasure of knowing that you've done the right thing i guess or you take the blue pill which is blissful ignorance mm. and i think that the last few years i've actually and crikey i'm not suggesting i'm any kind of hero but for, for matters which are very personal to me and matters more at the world at large i've been taking an awful lot of bloody red pills um in a, in a bid to try and contribute in a better way to the planet and look after myself better all of those things are are incredibly positive but to get there some of the adjustment is really difficult and over the last few years I've given up meat I've cut out most dairy 
I've cut down drinking um, significantly from where I used to be. Um, I have quit my job, a career of 12 years. I've, I've quit my old band, which was around even longer than the job. There are things I haven't even yet thought of. I've made loads and loads of changes. And all of that against the backdrop of, you know, Brexit, which it doesn't matter which side of the fence you sit on. It's been stressful. It's caused a divide. It was almost a 50-50 split. It tore the country in two and it's made us look slightly differently at friends and loved ones and things. Not, not forever, not in a way that is permanently damaging, but it certainly caused some rifts and some difficult mm. conversations. And this yeah. year you've got a, a, you know, a killer virus. You've got dictators running you know, the most powerful countries of the world. These are all things which compared to a few years before that, I mean, I know we had different, different difficulties, but when you add it all up, it's really not that surprising that all of us are feeling a bit jaded. And when I look at my own personal life and the changes, I mean, like I said, a lot of the things that I've chosen to change are very much for personal reasons. This is not about projecting my thoughts onto anyone else, but it's been really difficult and I'm not surprised that I got to some quite low places because adjusting to change is really, it's not, it's not natural yeah. to us. It's, and it takes a lot of energy to, to do it. So I'm not really surprised that I've been quite low. I think I've reached a point where I'm certainly not, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm at, I don't know if you ever really get through the other side of, of anything in life, but I think when you go through a period of change, certainly you don't know how you've dealt with it until you, you're quite a long way out, the, out of the tunnel and out the other side and you can look back at it and go, oh yeah, all yeah. that happened. I can see it now with some clarity. I'm, I'm far enough away. I can, I can see it. And I think that I'm, I'm just more comfortable in myself now. I think I, enough water has gone under the bridge in terms of having, um, you know, ch changed the way that I live my life in lots of different ways. I'm more comfortable with my routines. I'm more comfortable with the decisions that I've made. I'm, I'm starting to believe that I, I really am, um, capable of writing a book and you know hosting a brilliant podcast and making music and th those things in at some point in time will sustain me or go some way to contributing to that in a real way i think that i've just reached the point now where i've finally it's it's long ago since i've said goodbye to some things which were not healthy for me that i'm starting to feel the benefits who knows how i'll feel tomorrow i still feel very big motivational drops um mm. like you particularly in the mornings as well um sometimes i think lately less so in the mornings actually and quite a lot in the afternoon where i just feel like i've run out of energy um because i've done a load of the stuff i wanted to do but it hasn't filled as much of the day as my old job used to and i suddenly think oh god right what now uh I feel a bit of a lack of purpose um the short answer is I feel like a good, strong, solid eight. I've been really excited to to do this uh, podcast, this episode. I've been really looking forward to, to doing this, to delving into some of the which we've taken the most away from over the course of the year. Yeah, me too. It was really uplifting. What a lovely, wonderful bunch of people doing really brilliant things Mm. either outside the podcast or just in having the courage to come and talk to us on the podcast yeah um 
yeah, really, really uplifting. I, I, I thought that had been, that was great. Well, on that note, um, do you want to dive into your, your first takeaway? Yeah. So um, the first, the first one that I listened back to was your conversation with Blair. And um, one of the points that really stuck out to me when I initially listened to it and then um, kind of more so when I, uh, when I listened back to it earlier in the week was Blair talking about the idea of, of a hundred percent health. And I just thought that was such a, it's such a massive question, isn't it? Of, of what does that, what does that mean? And that was something that I, I mean, I think it would be a really, really interesting question to ask of, you know, a, a whole range of different people. What what does that mean, 100% health? Is there such a thing as it? Is it sustainable? If you've got 100% health, how long does it last? Because it's going to be variable, I guess. And and who or yeah. who is there? And other than Olympic athletes, is anybody? I don't, you know, and that's only on a physical side of it as well, if you're looking at those. So I, I just thought that was... Um, yeah a great um a great question really in in terms of fitting lots of the different things that we talk about on the show good um obviously we got through a lot in that episode that's a great point to have picked out and i it's um it's interesting isn't it that that you and me and blair are all musicians we we've all got a a creative strain to us and I wonder if you were to ask a, a lot of artists of different types, um, you know, because whether you call it mental health or your mood, we draw a lot of inspiration from the pain, don't we? Mm. Um, you know, if you're writing or if you're playing or if you're, if you're painting or, or whatever you're doing, um, some, sometimes the, the low points are in themselves incredibly important to the art and sometimes it's those low points that really make the high points stand out as, as vibrantly as they do. Um, but if we were to look at those high points and low points as an object of mental health, which they are, then we're sort of saying that we embrace that roller coaster. So is it, you know, is, is it, a, is it, is the world more interesting because there's no such thing as a hundred percent mental health? Yeah, I mean, I I thought about it in that almost like a it's it seems like a game sort of thing that you're trying to get at, like a computer game or I don't know, just quite an unrealistic thing to to say that you'd that you'd have. I, can't, yeah. I just can't see that. I can't see that it's ever that it's ever completely possible. No. Uh, maybe when you're like eighteen or something like that. And you feel indestructible, but um, yeah, but forty, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever feel like that again. But um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I just um, I, I thought it was such a such a valid point because it is, you know, that's that's definitely something that that I've felt that uh, that's what that's where I want to be. But actually, you know, uh, it is it is almost completely unrealistic to expect that you're that you're going to get to that point and if you do get to that point that that that, that is then anyway in any way sustainable both on a yeah. on a physical and a, and a and a mental point of view unless you're you know living on some kind of higher plane um but uh 
yeah, it just it 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 was a real, I just think a real good question that Blair raised about that because we, there's so many people that probably put themselves under so much pressure to get to that level, and it's not you know you're then not just talking about health but talking about social expectations and <clears throat> those types of things as well but it, but then that that's maybe the wider question for me and the and the thing that it that it made me start thinking about is you know how do you cope with that pressure of you know keeping up with the joneses and that uh, that idea of 100 percent health or 100 percent anything it's um it is you're always striving for something that's not there which is yeah. probably quite a risky thing to do if you um if you're prone to if you if you're prone to having moments where you struggle so then what's a realistic thing and what should be you know what should be where you should be looking at is maybe to be happy with where you are but is that enough i don't know it's a i think there's a mm. There's a there's it, it links into so many other things as well, which is why I thought it was just such a great um, a great part of the conversation that you and Blair had. I think I've often wanted to be one of those people that uh, I can think of a few characters who I've worked with who, when you ask them, you know, how are you doing, and the answer is always, "Oh, I'm exceptional. I'm brilliant. It's a good day." Mm. And I've always wanted to feel like that. Oh, imagine if I could be that person who, whenever anyone asks me, "How are you doing?" I'm I'm a hundred percent fine. I'm a hundred percent mentally fit. I'm really great. And I've always wondered, is it is it real? Do they really feel like that? Do yeah. they know that that are they consciously saying that because what you what you believe ultimately becomes your reality? If they say it enough time, will it make them feel better? Um, and I think that there's, I mean, life is very complicated, isn't it? And I, I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't want to upset anyone who really feels that they, they can say that all the time. But I think it would be so much better for us all if we were a little more honest about these things. The concept of um, portraying yourself as 100% fine mm. is, I don't know how helpful that is necessarily yeah. it's there's some days when i look at that and and i i see someone like that and i think good for you if you keep saying that then you'll probably believe it which is good for you and also you've kind of encouraged me to to do something similar maybe that'll be good for me but there's other times when i look at that and i think bullshit and you're making me feel bad now because i if you ask me the same question i can't answer like that and so I don't know what the answer is, but it is, it's certainly, you know, the question of, of is, there, is, is there such a thing as being 100% mentally healthy at any point in your, in time? No, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that that's entirely true. <laughs> One of the episodes I wanted to talk about was, Ben Akers, our uh, interview with Ben, where we both talked to him. Ben being um, the producer of Steve, the documentary about his childhood friend who committed suicide, and Ben being one of the founders of Talk Club, um, which is gaining momentum all the time, which is fantastic. And again, if anyone didn't catch that episode, please check out Talk Club. It, it's an opportunity for blokes to 
go and um, have a chat honestly and find out how other how other people are doing people don't just go there because they're having a bad day they can go ahead and be absolutely fine but it's just it's a a forum for speaking openly without judgment and it's really really helped a lot of people um one of the ways that i think it's helped people and this is one of the points i wanted to to bring out actually it's something that you said liam um while we were in conversation with ben about you felt the for a long time that you couldn't talk about mental health um particularly about depression which is a thing that you were going through because you felt that you didn't have the vocabulary for it Mm. um and well first of all congratulations you've you're you are starring in episode 10 of your own podcast on the subject (laughs) so it turns out your vocabulary is level one (laughs) um and actually one of the the things that i thought when we first our, our first meeting together was because we've been put together um because we were both going through a bit of a tough time and it maybe it was worth us speaking about our depression and, and next thing we know we have a podcast out of it so you know we, we've done all right talking about it but it really did get me thinking about how vocabulary only improves through practice through talking yeah. and ben he said of his friend um, Steve, who, who who committed suicide, that Steve was a really normal bloke, I think is the way that Ben put it. Um, he had a great family and job, etc. And um, the fact that Steve was... We will never know whether Steve, who neither of us um, knew personally, whether being able to talk about things would definitely have prevented him from going on to take his own life. But I think it's safe to say that it would have the chances of it happening would have significantly reduced because if he'd been able to talk openly with people about how he was feeling, then people mm. might have stepped in. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be that it's an, a big intervention of any sort. The fact is, if you know that someone is going through a difficult time, you might think of ways to um, try and cheer them up or just to let them know that you're thinking of them or maybe include them in things that you're doing. And these are all things that I think of now. If I know that someone I know is, is going through a bit of a rough patch, they're much more present in my thoughts than they would have been once upon a time because we, we talk about this stuff. But we still have got so much way to go as a society, as a planet, really, um, Mm. in terms of talking openly and honestly about how we're feeling. And it was that point that you made about vocabulary. And I think that we all need to talk more openly about how we feel. And that makes me super, super chuffed with what we've accomplished in getting this podcast out there um not a sense not not because um we didn't do this looking for any attention but just because i know we got you know we got notified the other week that over a thousand downloads had occurred and i hope i I know that lots of people because we've received messages have found it useful and that's amazing and you don't need to be a podcast to be useful to make people feel better each one of us can go out there talking more openly about how we feel what we're going through 
it gets better with practice. It gets easier with practice. And I just think that whole thing about vocabulary was really important. So that was the, the first takeaway from the Ben Akers conversation. Um, the whole the whole interview with him was brilliant. And I would urge people to go back and listen um, to him speaking. He, he's very, very passionate uh, about mental fitness, um, which is another, it's not something I pulled out for this episode to talk about, but something I kind of try and live my life by a little bit now. So, so please go back and listen to that episode. Um, the other, the other thing, which was really, really simple, um, is the, just the concept of how are, how are you feeling out of 10? This concept mm, of when, yeah. when you're asking someone how they are, I mean, we quite often since our interview with Ben have started our conversations and indeed uh, podcast episodes with how are you doing out of 10? It becomes more natural the more times you do it. Um, and it really does make it, it, it kind of forces the the person who is being asked to, pick a number and straight away you are then more able to help them if help is needed um because you you know if there are seven that wouldn't it be great if we can get to an eight by the end of this conversation it, it just makes things so much easier and actually going back to our conversation a moment ago about whether such a thing as 100 percent health is is possible um I think probably no, it isn't. But if we each day can ask ourselves, right, how am I doing in the morning? And it, Ben very much talks about this it, it, as a practice that he goes through every single day. If you know that you started the day on a whatever it might be, one, two, three, four, what, whatever number, if your mission through the day can be, you know, how can I get that up to? a five or a six or even if you only increase increase it by one number you were you were surviving mm. when you woke up you're surviving a little bit more comfortably by the end of the day maybe you're even thriving by the end of the day i thought that that concept of of um how are you out of 10 is absolutely fantastic um and I, I don't think it's the first time in my encounter with Ben and, and going to see his documentary. I don't think that's the first time I'd ever heard of it. Um, ben, I'm really sorry if I've got that wrong and, and and that isn't the case but um it's just a great concept we can all get our heads around that so asking someone how they are out of 10 absolutely brilliant for me yeah i agree with that i think it just gives that wider context doesn't it and it it does go back yeah to that point that we were saying earlier where you where you say to someone how are you and they go yeah i'm fine you know that's not really um I think by adding adding that number, it gives you the opportunity to say, "Well, why there?" Rather than someone yeah. going, oh, "I'm okay." Well, really, what does "okay" mean? That can mean anything to anyone, can't it? So, absolutely. Um, and whilst, yeah, I think Ben said when we spoke to him, you know, one man's one man's six is another man's nine, but yeah. it's, you still got that scope within that to say if someone is a nine, well, what's a you know, why why nine, not a ten? So I think, it, yeah, it's a really good tool from that point of view. Agreed. The other point that you, you raised just about um, Ben talking about mental fitness, I just thought that was really key to, to trying to change the mindset of, as to how we think about mental health, to be thinking about it in a broader scale about what's, you know, clearer definitions and uh, understanding as to what, what mental fitness is and and how you get yourself 
from one place to another is is that yeah. that kind of results focused side of it i suppose or solutions focused approach to it would um could be really really helpful for lots of people who maybe don't want to get in too much to the detail of why they feel like they do they want to just find a way out yeah that's a that's a good point i think the mental fitness is a concept in general i i don't really know how it took me so long to well i would never have thought of that concept had it not been for going along to ben's um documentary and then meeting ben and talking to him about this this stuff but the idea of mental fitness health fitness in in our physical lives the two things are inextricably linked and yet Mm with mental fitness no one says mental fitness no one unless you've unless you've talked to these guys unless you've you know been along to talk club unless you know and uh, un- up until now mental fitness is just not it it hasn't really been a, a thing and that seems crazy um yeah why why shouldn't we be looking at i i having i'm at a stage in my life now where i have had grief counseling i've had um i've had a, i've had counseling a few times actually i've had uh therapy so i've, I've had um uh, cbt and i've also gone on to have a couple of whole schedules of life coaching and every single one of those things has got me slightly healthier and I, I'm not ashamed of any of them or embarrassed of any of them. And I will talk openly and honestly. Um, when Ben said, he made that a brilliant quote that I wrote down that day. And I think of it often. I'm brilliant at my job because I go to therapy. Yeah. He wasn't waiting to get unwell before he went for help. He was actively going to therapy to keep himself well. And what a brilliant brilliant well not not just brilliant what a mind-bogglingly simple surely obvious thing to do you know it's Mm. and yet we don't we don't as a rule go to therapy or anything you know we wait for things to get really bad before we'll accept or ask for any help so yeah i i I totally totally agree you know what linking the, the that to um my conversation with Blair as well. Ben, very strong character. Mm. Steve, his mate, very normal, great job, great family. Um, Blair, one of my closest friends, the guy that was looking out for me, he took me to see Ben's documentary, partly because it just looked interesting, but also because he was worried about me at the time. Mm. He, he's that, you know, the strongest people that you know, even they are not superhuman. Blair obviously did recorded a podcast with us because earlier this year he had a very, very severe bipolar episode. He had a complete psychotic break from reality. Um, and that was, to a large degree... Um, was exacerbated, if not caused entirely by a stressful period in his life. He lost his father. He moved house and, and had a big, big upheaval uh, in the way that they were living at the time. A number of things combined to the point where a stress level was created that he couldn't deal with. And he had this um, episode. 
which and again tune into the episode to, to the podcast that where i spoke to blair because it was um he was fantastically open about it but these blair now is well again and he, he's been texting me this week because he uh i can't remember what it was now something triggered him to think i wonder if tom's all right he was worried about me blair's checking in on me he he continues to be one of the most strong people that i know uh he's an absolute rock for for his friends for his family he's fiercely loyal loves his family um ben seems like a very similar character i'm sure that steve was as, as well um but even the strongest people you know they're not superhuman so do look out for people do ask people how they're doing and don't accept i'm fine you know, do do ask them how you're doing out of 10. I think we should all try and do that. It's a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. The point you just raised about Ben, um, talking about wh- why wouldn't he get therapy? Why wouldn't he do, um, you know, everything that he can to put himself in the best possible position? And that, that linked um, really well to a point that I pulled up from your conversation with uh, your life coach, Sally. And the question that you'd ask Sally was, who do you, you know, who is your client base? Who, who comes for life coaching? Um, and, and I thought that was, that was sort of two really good kind of parallel points be- between that conversation with Ben and the conversation that you had with Sally about the people that are proactively doing things to look after themselves and to, to get themselves in a better place versus yeah. those of those of us that maybe don't do those things. Um, that also linked in a little bit with the, with something that Blair was talking about in your conversation with him about stigma and the stigma that's attached to his, um, to, to, to his illness. Yeah. Um, and how there are things that, that we can probably all do to, to improve our mental fitness and our mental health. But there is, that there are those stigmas attached to those things like therapy and, um, and stuff like that, that maybe stop people from access, accessing those things. I think you're probably right. And it probably takes, yeah, that, that's, that is a very good point. I guess then therefore those people listening who feel that you are strong enough, confident enough, um to be able to talk openly about these things i think that we should i think that we should feel more confident because it only takes it, it takes a few people blazing the trail yeah. for certain things to become normal and that's that's totally what this podcast has been all about the fact that we felt comfortable enough in each other's company to talk openly about some quite difficult stuff what if we what if we recorded that and shared it you know that's where it came from it was nothing mm. more than that really it wasn't it wasn't intended as um you know we didn't we didn't start a podcast because either of us wanted to do a podcast it was more about this could help people because it's it helped us um i i a few years ago would not have talked openly about these things i can't remember what events in particular have helped me along the way to feel more secure about it but i can remember because it's funny enough i was um, I'm, I'm writing a book at the moment um about really the, the last 10 years of my life 
and I reached the point where I was writing about when I first started telling people that I worked with that I was seeing a life coach. And actually, it was the coach that I was working with before Sal. Um, Sally's been absolutely amazing this year, and we'll put a link uh, to her in the show notes. We'll also put a, a link to Antonia in the show notes, who was the first life coach that I worked with. I worked with her for about a year. And at first, I didn't want to tell anyone about that. It mm. felt it felt weird enough that I that I was even doing it, that I was even I'd approach that. But I had something like a a mini breakdown. I was I was in a real bad place. I felt that I had lost. I'd been working so hard and working so hard to fit in in the in the um, uh, environment that I was working in, in the the, the culture. Um, of the investments world that I had, I'd started to change the way that I dress. I was, um, I, I was probably laughing at jokes that I didn't find funny. I was, I was trying to, trying to fit in culturally. Don't get me wrong. I love a lot of those people. There was lots of very genuine, brilliant, great times. And I'm still very close to, to lots of those people and, and hope always will, I always will be. Uh, but I was trying to fit into a world that wasn't really mine. And I had a bit of an identity crisis and I realized that the, the difference between me dressed up for work and me dressed for the weekend was so completely different mm. that I just didn't know which was the real me anymore. And I had a bit of a meltdown and I contacted Antonia, who was, it turns out was a local life coach. And even the fact I was doing that felt like a weird think life coaching um cara put me onto it my wife cara put she she had had a similar moment many years before and she um i can't even remember how it was recommended to her or how she discovered working with a life coach and her life coach was sally who we we did the episode with who i'm now working with but um she found it phenomenally helpful the idea of telling people about it was really scary and actually it took me getting really low at work to feel like I kind of thought if I tell someone that I've had to reach out and ask for help, they might realize how bad I am, how, how dark a place I'm in right now. It was almost a bit of a cry for help. But the more people I told, first of all, people who were close to me, the more comfortable it got, the more I noticed that it, it, I got respect from people who I would like respect from mm. and um and and also I kind of like the way it made me feel when I started to tell people who I was less close to who found it almost a little bit threatening because it's not something that they were strong enough to go and do they didn't have the confidence to go and do that and I started to feel like maybe this is my superpower maybe going around telling people that I need help is what makes me stronger than other people and so sorry that was a really long-winded way of saying <laughs> Lim, to your uh, extremely good point that maybe not everyone feels strong enough or confident enough to um to talk to a life coach or to to seek therapy or to tell their boss that they need to go and have therapy or something like that um for those of us that do feel strong enough do it tell people make it you know to to make it bring it into your conversation make other people feel less 
frightened by normalizing it do what we do on the podcast if you feel like you're one of the people who can talk about it then definitely do make it okay that that would be my little tip i don't think that any any bad can come from that if you are someone who doesn't feel strong enough to to do that then of course don't you you've got enough to on your plate sorting yourself out to be drafted into a crusade to help everyone else out put your own oxygen mask on first as we often return to on this podcast that makes some sort of sense yeah absolutely um and that yeah that is in yeah yeah perfectly in line with um with with i think bringing those things together is that's that's part of the that's part of the conversation i and and maybe the direction of things that will hopefully change that people will feel more empowered to to be upfront about what they're doing to put themselves in a um in as strong a position as possible but it then helps those that you know both are unsure in the direction to go or feel uh somewhat anxious about how they would have those those conversations themselves yeah there's a whole range of of means to to help people out there and that if people are worried about those uh you know the stigma that might go with those things they certainly shouldn't be you made a a comment back there we're talking about that it's, it's so funny how all of these things actually are so linked together i guess that's the nature of of human beings but um where we we look at people who feel um, that they are, have reached a point where they are ready to ask for help, whether that is therapy, counselling, life coaching, and as in the case of the conversation that we just had, there comes a point where you do need to take control. You and I are both absolute flag bearers for it's okay sometimes if you just need to, you know, let it all go don't worry about being in control have a netflix day have a duvet day do do whatever you need to do to feel um rested and relaxed and to to get some recovery time that's totally fine but i think through this this year in the in the podcast something that's come back again and again and again is that element of at some level we do need to take control if we want to get better or if we want to help others to feel better and Johan Hari's book Lost Connections was a really really good study in that and I, I almost felt like suggesting we do another whole episode just on our thoughts on that book because I've I've thought about that episode and the book so much since we talked when I first it was an audio version that I that I um, had of the book. When I first listened to it, um, to Lost Connections, I was hook, line and sinker, absolutely drawn in. The concept of the book, by the way, for anyone who hasn't listened to it or read it yet uh, or hasn't heard the episode, is that Johan Hari is someone who, who uh, experiences depression but who has done lots of research into what he would perhaps see is that the myth that depression is a chemical imbalance i'm not going to retell the whole book for you there's there's pros and, and cons to the the way that you you choose to to view it or, or to whether you view it 
um, as a chemical thing or not. The book is quite heavily weighted towards the the fact that much of the talk about depression as being a chemical imbalance um, is based on information put out by pharmaceutical companies and that actually um, our depression is much more closely linked to trauma that we've experienced um, mm -hmm. either somewhere in our background or more recently that the, our mental suffering is much more likely the cause of something that we're going through rather than something that's not working correctly in your brain and he sums it up really well in one sentence where he says it's not your brain it's your pain uh that is the concept i don't think i've probably done it justice please go and read the book or listen to the book it's absolutely fantastic however um liam you again were the person that really picked out the most salient point for me which was you challenged um johan harry's commitment on some of the points where he did kind of suggest that actually there might be a bit more in the the chemical side of it than it isn't chemical he does talk about the fact that there there are um genes which can run through families which yeah. mean that you are more prone to experiencing depression um and he doesn't entirely um a hundred percent convinced. I, I had another a real rethink once we'd spoken about it, and and took some time to look at the way that I've experienced depression in the past. And sometimes I think that it has been the um, the, the result of things that I'm going through. But I think there have been times when it hasn't really necessarily come out of anywhere in particular that I can see. And so I didn't. I never thought that we should kind of apologise for promoting that book because I think the book has got a lot of really, really good stuff in there. Um, I think the idea that you you have the opportunity to take control of your environment and make things better for yourself. I think that's really important. Um, I think that if I was reading that book again, I would. Um, I would bear in mind that there are, there's more about the brain that we don't know than we do know. Um, I think we, we use humans yeah. use a tiny percent of our, our brain. Is it like 10% or it's less than that? It's like a tiny, tiny percent of our brain that we actually know we use. And I don't know that we'll ever fully understand where things like depression, anxiety and things like that come from. So, if you are someone who has, has kind of lived your life by the whole, look, I, I need tablets to regulate the, the chemicals which are causing me to be depressed or, so, you know, things like that. If that's working for you, then that is great. Medication can be so, so important. There's times in my life when I think it saved me and I'm forever grateful for it. And I know of people who are permanently on medication. They have no intention of coming off it it seems to keep them in the right place. So I would kind of read that book again and take some of it with a pinch of salt. But a really important thing for me that I, I do agree with, and I think that was the what Harry was getting at uh, most importantly was, if there are things in your life which are causing you to be unhappy, you're never going to get happy by not addressing those things. 
and that doesn't mean that they will be easy to address. They could be really, really difficult. Um, they could take time. It might be one of those things where you have to just, you know, take each matter one little thing at a time. Um, but if you are living a life that is making you unhappy, then make changes. Um, do it carefully. Do it cautiously. Don't rush into anything. Um, talk to people. Let people know that you're going through a process. But I thought that the the idea that to an important degree you can take control of the things which are causing you depression. I think that's really, really important. And I think Mm. for that reason, I'm still massively in support of people reading that book or listening um, to that audio book, even though I think there's a little bit more to the picture than just what we hear in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I do agree with that. And I think for, for the criticism that, uh, or the questioning that I'd have of it in um, in where the book is trying to argue away um, or argue against the reliance on um, on a chemical treatment or a, a kind of medical treatment it, it is it is probably quite well founded in that there is there is or maybe there has been and we're hopefully moving away from it uh a tendency in the in the past i think to direct people to a pharmaceutical response or treatment to it rather than anything else so if that's you know if that's something that's become that we've become overly reliant on you know systematically and um within society then having something that challenges that and that pushes people to to try and think about it in a in a wider capacity and and to take ownership of what they can do as you just as you just said tom then i think that's that's not a bad thing at all so it's certainly good to have um you know voices that are that are prepared to challenge the system on this as well rather than just an acceptance that yes medicine will help us all yeah, but, yeah, I definitely think it's it's worth it's worth reading and or or um, you know getting a, an understanding of what it's about because if that if if you think that's something that's been applied to you and I certainly I certainly feel like that was something that was kind of put upon me at a, a relatively young age that this is the treatment this is all you need to do um, yeah. having something that 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 forces you to to question that is no bad thing even if you don't necessarily agree with everything else that's in the book agreed the final one uh point that i that i've kind of taken from the the season uh season sounds too uh american i have to say series i think (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but the, that I've taken from from doing the podcast so far has has been about uh, the conversation that we had. That's probably the most different episode I think in total that was a, uh, about motivation. And um, listening back through it yesterday, the the thing that really that was really key. Well, not even really key. I suppose the the thing that I the part of it that I enjoyed most listening to and. Um, gave me the the kind of biggest sense of what we've achieved was the part of the conversation where you and I were talking about our motivations in terms of doing the podcast and how we'd kept having to rearrange 
that particular episode um, yeah. and that having that that sort of commitment to another person was a really uh, was was a kind of really good and motivator for me and it and it helped keep me on track and and kind of tied me has and has tied me to the project as a whole and then i yeah. and then i sort of when i was thinking about that a bit wider and and again this kind of links into some of the things that we've already talked about the idea of of you know having those conversations um having those people around you to have conversations with the impact and um benefit of community and the support that you can get from other people is key to so many things um and the key to being successful with so many things and uh you know with us getting the notification of hitting a thousand downloads um last week you know this this is a this is a, a community that we have formed in part as well so i think um mm -hmm. you know knowing that we've we have we've had that impact on other people that have got in contact with us be that you know friends or strangers from different corners of the world um it's really yeah just really really great to to have that and that's a, a kind of good pressure and a good motivator for for me i couldn't agree more i think it's it's um this creating this podcast or or, or getting together to record this podcast has felt I think in, in, when we first started doing it, the first thing I was surprised by was that it felt so natural. I never had a problem talking to you. I I don't know how much I believe in fate, but I, I'm pretty... Um, it feels awfully convenient that you and I were able to meet and begin just, you know, going straight into to the things that we were experiencing at the time. Maybe it's just a case of we were at the point where we both needed to talk. Mm. Um, but it felt so natural putting the podcast together seemed like the natural next step and when I think about the podcast it still feels like something that we are doing to because when we started doing it a few people a handful of people said I found that really helpful so mm. we did it a bit more and a few more people said I found that really helpful and I think I would have done it anywhere I think I would have recorded this podcast even if no one had been listening to it because I found it really helpful yeah. um, but the idea that us sharing our being open about our experiences sharing our vulnerabilities um, that has been a fantastic motivator um, for me to carry on doing the podcast and I think if anyone else is listening to this and motivation is any a thing that you struggle with um there's nothing better than being motivated by thinking that you might possibly be helping someone mm. so anything that you know and anything that that you could be doing that makes you feel like you are giving back is a wonderful thing that's a good motivation to have in the in the kit bag yeah it, it's it's great that people listen and that it's helpful and that uh, yeah i certainly feel the same way in terms of um what I've got out of it is sort of equal to what I've put into it. So even if we hadn't have had anybody who, uh, who'd come forward to say that they've listened to it or we didn't have, you know, the, 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 the kind of downloads and listens that we've had from people, I'd, I'd still, yeah. I'd still feel that it's worthwhile continuing. Yeah, absolutely.
I didn't realise when we started the podcast that um, we were that we would end up at some point talking very openly about the mishap I had a few years ago when I fell out of a window and broke my back. And again, not going to attempt to retell the whole story here. It's it's an episode that is some of you will um, will get something from. So do go back to past episodes and have a listen to it. But um, yeah, I, I reached a point in my life where I was incredibly stressed at work. I was grieving for my mum who died and my best friend who died. Um, I was um, I was grieving. I was stressed. I don't think you need many more things than that. But I had an awful no. lot going on at a, a point in time. And it manifested itself as a a crazy episode in which I ended up falling and injuring myself. I broke my back and, um, and shattered my heel and we recorded that together for a podcast episode, me talking about it. And you, you suggested that something perhaps I, I should listen to and, and see how I feel about after recording it. Um, and I thought I'd listen to it and just be completely familiar with the story and not get a lot from it because that was essentially me talk you you asking me the questions and me just talking about myself for a bit. But actually, upon listening to it again, one thing that becomes clear and again, it's very difficult sometimes to see the pickle that you're in mm. at the moment you're in it. It's very, very easy with the benefit of hindsight to look back on something and go, I should have done something differently um nevertheless uh hypocrite that i am i am kind of gonna say that i I, looking back at it um there were a lot of signs that if i had listened to myself if i'd been honest with myself about the way that i was feeling um if i'd been honest with my boss about the stress that i was experiencing if i'd have made it more abundantly clear that i was in a bad place um there was lots of things going on as I say I can't take away my mum or my mate dying um I couldn't click my fingers and suddenly be doing a different job some of these things you just have to go through in life you're gonna you're gonna have those times but I wonder if I'd been honest with myself about quite quite how stressed I was and how low I was feeling would that have happened um and again it comes really back to being more open and honest this time, not, not just with people around you, but with yourself, it starts, it starts with yourself. Mm. I think that through the course of this, this year, through the course of this series, really through the people that we've talked to, there's been a few threads that have run through the whole thing. And one of those is that you can't expect things to get better if you're not being honest with yourself because you can't get the help that you need if you yourself aren't acknowledging where you are in the situation. Um, and, you know, we, we've talked to lots of brilliant people who are there to help listeners, people who, who are friends of ours who are there to help us. But it, you have to start by being honest with yourself. So I don't know if I could, if I could go back in time and, and, you know, whisper in my ear, you know, admit it to yourself you're having a tough time I don't know if that would have changed anything but I've certainly made a conscious effort to try and be more honest with myself 
about how I'm feeling. And I hope that that makes a positive difference in the future. The other thing, and I guess this is, there's two sides of the same coin here and a bit of a positive to try and um, end my, my takeaways on that catastrophe is not the end. What happened to me, I actually got away um, as dramatic as it sounds, and it was pretty crazy. I was very lucky with the injuries that I got that they were injuries that would, for the most part anyway, heal. And I am okay again. I've got a slightly dodgy heel, which I think is going to plague me for the rest of my life. That's fine. I can live with it. But I was given another chance. I, the, the accident that I had, it could have killed me. It could more easily have paralyzed me. That's pretty terrifying. Mm. But it didn't. I lived to fight another day. And no matter what you're going through, there's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow, there's always a chance for things to get better. There's always a chance for you to take the bull by the horns and do something about the situation that you're in. Even if you didn't get the signals, even if you weren't honest with yourself, even if you you thought you were being honest with yourself and you still failed to get the message and something bad has really happened, things have gone really wrong. If things have gone bad at work, if things are going bad with your relationship, there's always tomorrow it's really important to talk to people, try not to isolate yourself, but whatever happens, there's always, there's always the future. I had, uh, I'll give you one really quick. I'll try and keep it quick. I'm not very good at that. Um, example, when, when I was, um, when I was having my, uh, I was having therapy last year. And one of the things that I talked about in therapy was we have two cats. Cara and I have cats. We're crazy about these cats. We are pet people and we adore our cats. We, we rescue them and we, we treat them as family members and, and we are slightly nutty about them. So yes, I am a cat person. And one of the things when I, I was um, diagnosed with severe anxiety, which anxiety wasn't on my menu prior to that, that I was aware of. I was, I was only a depression uh, person. Um, but this was added last year, and I'd, I'd, had a, I'd had a really, really rough time. As um, a result of them cats, Tom. Well, funny you should say that. Um, the, the anxiety... So, so one of the things I talked about was I had this irrational fear of something happening to the cats. We, we live by a very quiet road. It's exceptionally quiet, but it is nevertheless a road where cars go by. And when I was feeling particularly anxious... And had gone through a long period of, I was working very hard in my day job to the point where I was very tired when I wasn't working. So I would just stay in the house. We'd stop going anywhere. We weren't being sociable. I was working from home a lot. So I was basically spending all my time at home. And I became more and more anxious that the longer I was away from the house, if I had to go somewhere, that one of the cats would go out on the road and get run over. And this was forming in my head as, as um, an apologies if this has been a trigger for anyone else out there, but, I, but I'm about to give you the good news, kind of. Um, this was something that was really troubling me at the time. And it was irrational because we had the cats for many years and, and been fortunate in that respect. And then one week, one of the cats was badly injured. Now, I can tell you this because the cat, Flora, she's currently sat in the cupboard behind me. She's absolutely fine. She made a full recovery, much like me. 
But something was proved to me that week. I went into therapy knowing that she was okay. And I was able to tell the therapist, I just realized all that worrying that I was doing served absolutely no purpose whatsoever because all the worrying in the world doesn't prevent bad things from happening. Now, obviously, I'd have been much happier if Flora hadn't been injured uh, and I'm chuffed to bits that she's fine. But it just served to remind me that, look, bad things are going to happen in life. But when Mm. they do, you know, you just have to get past them. Worrying about them is not going to solve the problem. It's not going to stop them from happening. Ultimately, life hands you the cards that you're going to get and you just kind of have to work out how best to deal with it. So a takeaway from the episode where I talked about falling out of a window really was how how very, very lucky I am that everything's fine that i think that i got better you know the bad things happen you bounce back you don't bounce off a concrete floor quite so easily but in time (laughs) you will bounce back yeah so that's that's kind of that was my um there's so much when when you and i said let's uh let's grab a handful of takeaways from this series i thought that would be really easy actually it wasn't because we've had such brilliant guests and i think some really really good chit chat um yeah between you and i you've certainly given me a different a perspective i wasn't expecting on on a few things um and i've just found our conversations to to be so useful to me there's loads loads and loads that i've taken away from this series and i'm really excited about the next one now yeah likewise i think um you've just learned loads and yeah been really great to uh have different people and different voices um, on the show. That's something that I'm really, really excited to continue with next year and to um, explore different areas with, with different, different people who have had different experiences with things. Yeah, absolutely. I think we should uh, just say a heartfelt thank you from certainly from the bottom of my heart, Liam, no doubt was as well to absolutely. everyone who's listened to the podcast so far. I'm just amazed, as I say, to two two fellas who just wanted to record their conversation in the hope that it might be useful to them first and foremost. And you know, if anyone else stumbled upon it, it might be useful to them as well. To know that we've got so many listeners out there now um, is just fantastic. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank you to anyone who's shared um, the podcast or encouraged someone else to listen to it. Um, however you discovered us we're just really really grateful that you're there Um, and and thank you also we do have a a small community of patrons who via my uh, patreon page which i'll put the link in the show notes for are donating an amount each month to keep the lights on um liam i've borrowed that phrase from you it's a good one Thanks. Um, <laughs> uh, but you no know, guys you, you've been you who are donating a bit you, you know there are costs associated with this and it does take Liam and I quite a lot of time to to put the content together and record it and edit it etc so we are beyond grateful to whether you're listening whether you're contributing we're just grateful that you're there really so a huge thank you um, for supporting us through the first series and we look forward to bringing you the second one
Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Everyday Problems podcast. An absolutely huge thank you to all of our contributors who came on and spoke so openly and honestly about some really, really difficult topics. They've made a massive difference to the podcast and we've really enjoyed having them on the show. Once again, thank you so much to all of our listeners and supporters. And if you would like to help us keep the lights on for the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Tom Corneal and donate a tiny amount each month, which helps us cover subscription fees and the amount of time and effort it takes to cover these shows. We're hugely grateful for every little donation that we get. You guys, listeners, supporters, you make all of this possible. If you're finding this podcast useful, then please remember to subscribe so that you don't miss the next show. And also give us a rating if you'd like to. It's really helpful for us. We're so grateful for every bit of support that we get in whatever form we may receive it. Take care, folks.